to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you are all doing well as per. Um, if you listened to, to the podcast last week, um, you'll have noticed that Pez came down with a quite severe case of statolitis. Um, well, I think something something has came into my household over the past couple of weeks, and it, it's really taken me quite hard. It's hitting me quite hard. I can't really find a remedy for it at the minute. But I think the doctor said it's something called singalongalitis, something like that. Um, oh, so Jesus. I, um, because this team keeps on winning, Jim Boy is going to keep on singing. So take it away, Frank Sinatra. Start spreading the news. Now that's it. We're done. The Seahawks are here today. No, 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 no. We've made a brand new start of it. Fuck off, New York. Hey, there we go. Get that on your Spotify playlist, everyone. Um, that's our copyright strike of the week. So sorry. Out there. Uh, no, you're not sorry. You're not sorry. Nobody's sorry. Gino's not sorry. His postman's not sorry. Nobody's sorry. We are five and three. Super Bowl bound. This is getting stupid now. The Gino Revenge Tour has taken its latest victim on Halloween's Eve. Um, oh man, I can't. I, 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 I'm running out of words. I'm not running out of ways to start the podcast because I'll just come up with a different song every week as long as we keep winning. But I'm just running out of words. Um, uh, 27 to 13 against the six and one Giants. I mean, if you'd have told me a couple of weeks ago, if you'd have told me three weeks ago, Right, that the Seahawks would have a stretch of the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Giants, and and someone said to me, "Oh yeah, you'll go three and zero, and you'll beat the Chargers in LA comfortably. You'll beat the Cardinals. You'll beat the Giants at home. The six and one Giants at home, pretty comfortably." I mean, what is what is going on? I, I don't know. I don't care. We're loving it. Um, this Seahawks team is brilliant. Pez, how are you, mate? I think you've had a pretty good week as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, it's been a good weekend. It was my birthday on Sunday, so I went to uh, London for the weekend with my wife. Went and went on to the Wembley game. That was quite fun. Good to just walk around with my Seahawks jersey. Got the wife. She bought me a Dallas. Like as we spoke about on this podcast, 
mm-hmm. bought me a Dallas Wolf grey jersey. I was quite surprised by that. She did a good job. So she stuck that on. I had my Ken Walker one, and we just walked around. Big smiles on our faces because all the Denver fans probably looked at us and just wished what they could have had. Yeah, it's, it's funny, though, because... Um, I'd said to you off air, but bumped into two Americans going up to, uh, back up to the lakes where they lived. Thought I'm quite strange. A guy from Denver, a guy from West Virginia, living in the lakes <laughs> in England. I was like, what? <laughs> I thought like they might have just like been going to Manchester Airport or something. No, no, we live here. Lived here for five years. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> um, but one was a Denver fan, and you wanted to see how like. He, he didn't. He wasn't even excited. He just won. Yeah. Like he's well. just like he was just asking me questions about, like, is it true what everyone's saying with Ross? Is Ross this? Is what's going on? This, that, and the other. From your opinion, I was just like, wow, you've just won, and so like downbeat. I was like, I was shocked, but fuck them. <laughs> Josh, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Um, just come back from a. Uh... A long-ish, well, a very long weekend up in the northwest of England, up in Pez's neck of the woods. But the, the man ran away as soon as he heard out heard I was coming up there. Couldn't even go and see him. Gutted, absolutely gutted. Um, but yeah, good. Managed to watch the game on Sunday. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting into this. Just straight back into it. Holiday is not a holiday when you come straight back into work. But then I get to see you boys straight after, so I can I can deal with that. Stop it, isn't that? <laughs> Flirting with us. Was <laughs> <laughs> um, that flirting like, or fellating? I hope because your accent. Flatial. Yeah, we'll go with fl- flirting. Flirting again. Flirting. <laughs> the man, the man who tries to tell me that I'm making this podcast sexual has already come up with fellatio. What five minutes in? Brilliant. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> right. Welcome, Gino Smith. As always, we're gonna, we'll start with him. Welcome um, to the Sexy Seahawks podcast. <laughs> I buried that then, and he's, he's reeled it back in. Just leave it now. Um, right. All right, and we have to put it with your singing. All right. <laughs> hey, put, putting up is an interesting way of describing it. I would say I would say enjoying, but well, you know, I've I've had some good feedback already. A few agents have got in touch. Anyway, um, a few agents will be getting in touch with Gino Smith as well. Collection agents. Yeah, kill it. Be fine. <laughs> um, copyright infringement. Um, Carry on, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> right, back on track. Back on track. Gino Smith, we're going to start with that man because there's only one place to start on this podcast. Ken Walker, the, the future Hall of Famer himself. We've got to get on to him. Oh. Um, an interesting day in the receiving department. Tyler Lockett's uh, not his best day, but he, he brought it back home towards the end. We've got, we'll, we'll talk about him. Tight ends as well. How underrated he is. Shows how underrated he is in deep pez. Um, tight end struggled to get involved, but yet we still put up 27. That's a very, very interesting little uh, little nugget there that we'll get into. Um, and then we'll give some of the special team guys some love because they've been coming up with some big players in recent weeks um, after having a bit of a, a bit of a rocky start to the season. Um, and then we'll get to the defense. We'll, we'll, we'll try and talk about as many of them as we can, but we probably won't have time to because they're all just playing so well at the minute. Um, which is which is really nice to 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 hear and to say um, after again another rocky start from the defense, but they are, they are they are turning the corner, man, and, um, and and we'll gush over them, and then we'll get to your questions as always, positive pairs to finish. Um, but it feels like we're doing a disservice to Gino because I don't know 
it'll probably be a pretty quick segment this but that is in a that 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 is praising Gino in itself by making it quick because I, I, I have no I have no further words to add on Gino like 23 for 34 on the attempts 212 yards passing two touchdowns and no interceptions I mean, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I don't have any more words to describe Geno Smith than it's just it's just baffling. Another week that another week gone by where we haven't come down from cloud nine, we haven't woken up from this dream yet. Um, as as we all continue to think that oh well, at some point it must go wrong, it must go wrong. Well, another week it hasn't gone wrong. Um, how much longer will it continue? Who cares? Who knows? Uh, we we can't wait to find out. But my God, he he's just. He's just balling again. I mean, 23 for 34 against a 6-1 and one Giants team. I know it's the Giants, but look, they're 6-1 and one for a reason. Um, and, and, he, and, he, and he didn't look uncomfortable at any point in the game. He, again, former team, easy to potentially emotions, get in the way of it, potentially getting his head nap, cool as a cucumber, just went out there, did his business, took what the defence gave him, as he's been doing all season. And made some absolutely big time throws. Again, facing the blitz, he was calm under the pressure. He got his head taken off by Xavier McKinney, but thankfully he was all right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, you guys can help me out as always. But I, I, I just, I, I'm just lost for words. I don't have any more words for Geno Smith. He just, for me, it's a, every challenge yeah, gets a put put in front of him. He just jumps over it. Yeah. Still not going to apologise to him because I feel like it's it'll be a curse. He's just I will find him a new milestone in his goal. Like his new milestone is win five, go five and zero oh by the the bye week. Two more games, Gino. That's all you've got. Prove me wrong. Come on, prove me wrong. But with this game being said, he faced a career high of nineteen pressures this game. Mm. Still. 23 for 34, 212 yards, two touchdowns, still no interceptions, and he had an extra touchdown drop, what we will get onto, what you alluded mm-hmm. to before, like literally walking, you, yeah. you're still shocked now, scratching your head, trying to figure out how did Tyler, safe hands, not cut, like corral that in. But what's interesting here with Gino, for me, like you said, you, you've not got much more to say about him is a career high of 19 brushes. Mm-hmm. For me, and I know Josh will sit back, put it on mute, let him go to town on that all line. Um, but that's surprising, really, because that's low. That's low. So mm-hmm. for the... Just kind of like diverting onto the all line a little bit is for how well they've been doing, and probably you'd say they're weakest game this season mm. as a unit. Obviously, Blythe went out, Fuller came in, and if anyone wants to question, if anything, it just shows if if people go, what does Austin Blythe actually do? Yeah. Today showed it. I said it last week, didn't I? We all said it. Community, mm. Go and watch anyone again, anyone again. Go and watch his mic talk from a couple of games ago. You might say, bang average. Go and watch what he brings to this team away from playing. He's a leader. He's a born leader. And Gino, them two clearly, Gino relies so much on him. You, you, you see it in all the all access, all the videos you see. Gino, you can just see how Gino interacts with him. He has pure faith. 
in his right-hand man, essentially, on that line to protect him, to do the right calls, do the right thing. But 19 pressures is freaking low, man. Mm. Like, so for me, it's like, yeah, Gino, just keep on doing what you do, mate. But that's in, it shows how well the old line's been, like, working. Yeah. Well, Gabe Jack, just as we're on the old line, Gabe Jackson in this game, um, saying that he allowed just one pressure in rotation with Phil Haynes. Um, so Jackson finished with the breast grade on the offensive line. That's an interesting one. So again, through, from the eyesight, I didn't particularly think the offensive line played particularly well. Um, but I guess that's just to the standards that they've started to set. Obviously, we, we, we all know what bad offensive line looks like in in, in Seattle. And, and it, is, it is a lot better than what it used to be two, three, four years ago. Um, but it did feel like it was a it was a bit of a down game for the offensive line. But then you look at the stats and you look at the PFF grades, and again, your man Josh A. Lucas is 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 still balling out there. I think he was it zero pressures for him this week as well. Like they are playing really well. It's just, it, I mean, if if we just I'll I'll wait to gush on the O line till later. But the the whole Geno's play, and this is something that. I think a lot of people berated Pete Carroll for this in the off-season, where he said, I just want a point guard quarterback who isn't going to do anything too flashy. He is going to distribute the ball where I need it to be, and he is going to follow the game plan and just release our playmakers. Mm. And Gino's doing that. He He's not trying to do too much with his legs. He's escaping when he needs to. He's making some valuable first downs and getting some valuable yardage. But, I mean, the guy's just, he's just, I say it every pod, and I, I feel really bad for, you know, contradicting it earlier, but he's just efficient. Like he, he He's he's making the right throws into the right, he's, he's putting some good throws into tight windows as well. He's taking those chances, so you can't just say he's taking the safe option every time. Was it last week he threw one to triple coverage that yeah. was just dropped by Noah Fan, but he should have caught that one. The the do is just, I mean, I, I'm 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 lost for I'm never lost for words. But whenever I see him, I'm I'm like Pez. I, I I'm waiting for the downfall. I'm yeah. waiting for something to go wrong. But it's not going wrong yet, and it it makes me wonder: Have we all just doubted Gino's ability for this long? Has it taken this long for him to mature? Has he spent time behind? Quarterbacks like Philip Rivers, like um, like Eli Manning and Russell Wilson, he's just learned from his mistakes. He's learned he can't be gung ho. He can't just loft the ball sixty yards every time and mm-hmm. like just sort of hit and hope stuff. He, he's now become one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL over this this first stretch of games this season, and it it really is. Baffling. I'm, I'm hard. I'm, I'm happy to be baffled by it, but I'm, I, I still can't get my head around it. No. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to compute it. It, 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 it'll take me a while. It'll probably take me till the bye week, so I can actually take some time to dissect what he's done and how he's done it to really appreciate it. At the moment, I'm just appreciating watching him ball out every week. Mm. Oh, it, it. it. It is a joy to watch at this point, and and as I've said last week and and the week before that, I think he's been massively helped by the the play calling and Shane Waldron. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the ballsiness to go for it twice on 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 the fourth downs and in, in the first start of the game, um, it, and and you get rewarded for it. You, you're able to punch it in um, uh, before and for a lot of time in Seattle we, we would we would have never have gone for it in those fourth down situations. You give Shane Waldron the the reins to the offense and and you see it coming out and and and, and going for it on fourth down. Um, I love it. again. I love the tight and inclusive. Um, and, and inclusion, even though they were, they struggled a little bit against the Giants, 36 yards in total across Disley, mm-hmm. Fant and Parkinson, which I think is probably about, around about a season low. Um, but to still have that, and obviously we know the Titans have been such a big part of the offense, so to take that away and still put up 27 points is 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 brilliant. And I think I, I'll just make a quick little prediction for Shane Waldron. Um, I think we're looking at Pete Carroll's successor, in my opinion. Um, um, that's a debate, my friend. Uh, that is a, a debate, debate for us to have. It's a debate. That's a debate. I... Sorry, uh, just put it in your notes, James, for the bye week. It's a good debate for the bye week. And we'll we... get we'll get that in on the bye week and we'll have we'll a get good, that in there. sit down and talk about that. So I'm just going to plant that seed now. I just after recent weeks, I think, because I think we all thought that it was going to be Sean Desai. I think Pez, you potentially mentioned it at first, coming in with that assistant head coach role and, and potentially Josh as well, yeah, Sean Desai coming in maybe. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think I think Shane Waldron is maybe now being primed to, to to come into a head coaching role in, in the near future when whenever Pete Carroll decides to step down. So, yes, Pez, we will definitely get into that in the into the bye week. Um, um- just quickly, what you said about the tight ends and how the Giants managed to stop, like stop them. Mm. So teams are probably going to start doing this. I'd imagine they're going to start trying to phase out the tight end. But the issue is, there's not much. I don't think there's a defense that we have to come up against off the top of my mind who'd be able to phase out the tight end and then contain DK and Tyler. This is the mm. issue. Like, you, you go and stop the tight ends. Go and take Geno's safety valve. But then you're just unleashing a bigger monster on you that's going to t- take the top off you and they're just going to bomb you out. Like, Geno now is just full, full ball, full range. Mm. Them tight ends are if Lockett and DK are getting double covered and he doesn't want to go deep. So what? Mm. So bring it up nearer to the box, stop them tight ends, but then DK or Tyler are going to get loose. But, but again, think... this this game, Gino threw to nine different targets. Fair play, you know, three of them got single yards in, you know, on receptions. But that's nine different ways that Gino can release the ball. Mm-hmm. If you're a defensive team, you're going to be looking at that and going, the last three games on average, he's thrown to, I think it's, it is an average of like nine receivers. Mm. If you're a DC on the other team, you're going to go, it's it, and other people have said this. It's a pick your poison offense. It's a yeah. right. So who 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 are we supposed to to look after now? Because if we look after DK and Tyler by you know doubling them with mm. safeties and corners, then they've got these tight ends that can come through the middle into those gaps. They've got a slot receiver in either Dwayne Eskridge maybe or Marquise Goodwin who can take the top off it. You know, they've got the running backs that can come out. You've got your Travis Homer, uh, DJ Dallas, who are great receiving sort of running backs. You you know, Ken Walker's shown that he, he has got hands, you know, mm. contrary to what a lot of people say. He can catch a ball as well. It, it, it really is pick your poison. No one knows where it's going to come from. 
And it, it's it's that type of offense that's going to win you a game because it keeps the defense guessing. They don't know where the ball's going to go to. The, you know, if you're a team who has one good receiver and a good running back, well, guess who you've got to mark? Because nine times out of ten, it's going to go there. Whereas we've got the possibly the best receiving tandem in the NFL next to Waddle and Hill. Mm. We've got three tight ends that can do the business and all have a different skill set. Uh, although I'm still waiting to see more from Noah Fant. Yeah. And then you've got the the wide receivers that are backups to the first two, and you've got our running back core, all of which have proven they can catch now. Like, uh, it, yeah. I think, I, I think it's a really interesting point that you bring up there, Pez, because, and I, and I hate to link it back to this man, Russell Wilson, but I'm going to just for now. Um, we've got three ways to win. Is that the siren? <laughs> oh, dear, I've been, I've been sirened. Um, That's I've it, you've found out. Um, I've been sirened now, so it, it, it's, I've got nothing else to lose. So I'll quickly wrap this up, Pez, because I know you don't like hearing this man's name. Um, there's three ways for us to win on offense now, as you've said, Pez. We've got the tight ends. That's not working. You've got the running game. If that's not working, you've got some excellent receivers that are coming good. With Russ, we all knew, didn't target tight end. So instantly, you only had two ways to win a game of football on offense. If you didn't have a running game, then, you know, because Chris Carson was banged up, Rashad Penny was banged up. So a lot of the times with Russ in recent years, we struggled to really put a consistent run game together. Um, so then we only had one way to win offensive games, and that was to throw it to DK Metcalf down the sidelines, or to lock it down the sidelines. And our offense, as we've all said on this podcast, became too stagnant, too predictable. Now, with Shane Waldron coming in, former tight ends coach, He's including the tight ends. He's got a quarterback in Geno Smith who is tall enough and big enough to see over the offensive line and to throw at tight ends. He's comfortable throwing at tight ends. So instantly with Geno, we've got more ways to win. We're coming in and approaching every game, regardless of who the opponent is, regardless of how good the defense is. We're coming into every game offensively with more ways to win games than potentially we did with Russell Wilson. So I think we're, that's... We're more fun. dynamic. That's more dynamic. Yeah. When we're more dynamic, we the way this offense is rolling at the moment is exactly what everyone dreamt of when Modron came in, and that was the 2018 Rams. Yeah. But I'm going to call it now. If we followed their trajectory to the Super Bowl, Gino's better than Jared Goff. Gino's better than yeah. Jared Goff. hundred percent at the moment. Yeah. In 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 this situation, you, really they remind me of. The 2018 Rams, the running back, the beast running back, the short intermediate dump offs, quick passing, all that kind of stuff. What they did, got into the Super Bowl, and then Bill Belichick took it all away from him. He's like, right, okay, so you like to do this, this, right? I'm just going to do that, and then you don't have a plan B. Whereas the upgrade to this is, it's almost like, like you said, with that dynamic at the moment, we've got plan. A, B, C, and D at the moment because Gino just is playing with no fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I think it's pretty indicative about the way we're playing by what Tyler Lockett said in that presser, mm. where it was like, it's amazing. I'm going to paraphrase this because I've not got it up in front of me, but it's amazing what you can do when you not one single person cares about winning. When it's sort of everyone cares that the team philosophy is that it doesn't matter who puts up a hundred yards, who puts up three touchdowns. It's a matter of 
the team doing everything they can as a team to win. That that shows the team's mentality now, and that that only the the only thing that you can use to explain that is that they're all now playing off the same hymn sheet. You know, they they all want to play for each other and play to win, as opposed to a single person going for these glorious moon balls and you know having five hundred yards a game. Absolutely. Right. So, if 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 we're in the conversation of this, like Tyler came out and said, you all need to chill because you're all trying to get a story out of it. Basically saying it's oh, yeah. nothing to do. It's nothing nothing to do with Ross. It wasn't aimed at Ross. It was just basically like Josh said. Josh worded it better. Tyler didn't word it like that. Tyler worded it. It's like, isn't it great when one person isn't getting all the basically all the credit? All yeah. The, all the yeah. credit. Yeah. Right. And do you know, my interpretation of what he said was everyone jumped on it, as all Seahawks Twitter is at the moment. That's against Ross. Ah, fucking hell. Fuck you, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> They're like best mates still. Chill out. Take a back seat and calm the fuck down. I looked at it from the point of he, Tyler's basically coming out here and saying, because remember the things that Tyler came out and said last year, was it? When he was saying things that were totally against what everyone else was saying. And we said it on this pod, or I said it on this pod, people need to listen to what Tyler's saying because they're a lot more mm-hmm. smarter. And to me, it shows he's getting a little bit sick and tired of things going. And this comment to me was, it was basically a, everyone wake, wake the F up. Because I've said it in the past, seeing as we talk about this, Russ is as much to blame as Pete's to blame. Pete got too comfortable riding Russ and the way Russ wanted to play. Everything stagnated. We've said it in previous pods. Pete is not blameless just because of how we're playing right now. People need to keep that in the mind. He's not blameless. He got stagnant. That's why, James, you said it perfectly. That's why we became a one-dimensional team. Because he just let, he just catered to Russ and rolled Russ for what Russ was capable of doing. And last year, you called it, James, and Josh, you mentioned it, that maybe Russ has just fallen off. And maybe that is the case. But all credit to Pete, whether he had a kick up his ass in the offseason or whether he, he did it all by himself. Don't believe he did it all by himself. I think he had a fucking firm Jody Allen foot up his ass and said, you sort your shit out now or you're bye-bye, mate. Because he has come into this thing fresh. Josh was right, giving the keys to Waldron by the looks of it. Waldron, it's not the case of, Waldron, this is how I want it done. You do as I tell you to do. It's now... This is what I want you to do. You devise the game plan and then we'll do it together. Everything's cohesive now. Everything is a unit. And that's why this team is doing what they're doing. And honestly, I touch wood now, swear to God, this whole league better be fucking careful with how easy they are to look over the Seahawks and say, they'll fall off. This is just a beginner's look. This is just a... Small fire. We'll put that out. We'll do this. We'll do that. Because 
people better be fucking careful because this team, I really think, is here to stay. Because one thing about Pete Carroll is he can make, if he gets a group of guys like taking his pills and believing his shit, you better be careful about what that team is capable of. And I'm going to call it now, seeing as James is chucking out Waldron predictions. The Cardinals game, the Bucks games, the Rams games, none of them games matters to me. Because the Cardinals aren't doing that good at the moment, the Bucks aren't, and the Rams aren't. The biggest game for this team to prove who they are, regardless of their results, is Kansas City on Christmas Eve. Mm, that you looks go like the Kansas big, big City, test, doesn't it? Yeah. You go to Kansas City in their place, and you play like you've been playing now, and mm. you might not win, because let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's still a building blocks to be made here, but you stay with them. Mm-hmm. And this defense gets to Mahomes, shuts Mahomes down. Like I called, Woolen picks him off. Anyone picks him off, and they make it a really hard night for him, and they don't blow us out. Then people need to sit up and go, We need to pay attention to them a lot because next year they're going to be a fucking monster, let alone a beast. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fully with you, peasant. And what is undeniable is that. This is a team that is playing for Geno Smith and this quarterback. And how good was it to see Geno Smith go straight back to Tyler Lockett after that drop in the end zone, after the fumble, and then the recovery by the Giants? How good was it to see? And not just the touchdown throw. He went to him on that drive before the touchdown throw, down to the sideline. Exactly the same play. And then that double move, as it was called out by Sanchez, the double move, and to lock it into the end zone. How excited. Double move, double move. I, yeah. I was like, who, who double? And then lock it. Yeah, there. no, who double move? The cameraman was like dreaming <laughs> somewhere else, and he's like, double move. I'm like, where, where, where? But then, it, 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 because it was, it was such an uncharacteristic day for Lockett up until that point. But I just love the fact that Gino went to him, looked him in the eye, and said, I, "I'm coming back to you. So don't, don't sit here and have your head down because I need you out there because I am coming to throw the ball back to you, whatever, however you like it or not." And Pete said he's he's the best receiver he's ever been around, and it's just it it's a real, real feel good. It, it it's a feel good vibe at the minute. On offer, everyone is pulling in the same direction, and it's working. Um, we, 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 that is a prime. What we just spoke about then, that play, Waldron, Gino, Pete, everyone. That literally is the play you need to watch to understand what we've just spoke about about this team. That is just indicative of what we've just spoke about, is how confident they all are. And my little bit on Tyler is everyone's riding him going, oh, yeah, it's uncharacteristic. He didn't have a great day. To me, I think that's great and just shows how underrated Tyler Lockett really is. Because you think about any of them little pissy-ass, spoiled brat wide receivers who had a day like Tyler Lockett, especially that, in the bucket, Tyler catch, perfect what he does week in, week out to then drop that. A lot of them pissy ass top quality receivers wouldn't even be asked being on the field anymore. That that, that would be it. They mentally check out for Tyler to then go back on the same play to add a little bit extra to evolve the play by himself to have that mm-hmm. mental strength to go. Right, if we're running the same play, I need to change it up a little bit because he's going to be ready for this. So I'm going to double move him. I'm going to stunt him. Boom, gone. Like, that shows the quality for me of an elite wide receiver who gets overshadowed by DK because 
just by his body yep. mass. His DK Metcalf. Yep. Yep. So and by any other receiver in the league. Like honestly, the work that man does is so underrated. He is a smaller version of Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin will never yep. get the credit unless except for in Seahawk circles, he will never get the credit for what he did for Russell Wilson in his early years. And Tyler Lockett will never get the credit for what he done for Russ and what he's doing for Gino now. And do you know who is getting credit though? Because I'm gonna bring him in now, Ken Walker. Um I'm gonna make a little comparison here. Don't don't before I say this, don't think I'm comparing him to this man in terms of what he's achieved in his career yet, because I'm not. Um, but when I watch Ken Walker, and hear me out on this, I, I, I just see Marshall Falk. When I watch Marshall Falk highlights, I see Ken Walker. Now, let me let me explain this. Marshall Falk, 5'10", Ken Walker is 5'9". They're both exactly 211 pounds. And if you watch the way they, they both of them run, Marshall Falk, expert at towing the ground turned on a dime small but powerful speed finding the gaps he, he found the, the the holes in the defense brilliantly patient running and 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 there was he was a master of getting into the open field and finding the open field what do i see from ken walker patient running toes in the ground turns on a dime so hard to tackle in the open field he knows where the open field is even though he didn't break one massive one off against the giants there was one or two of those those shoestring tackles where if it wasn't made he mm. was off he was off again and you can see i, I so i'm not saying he's marshall fork in terms of the career or he'll he'll have a career like marshall fork i'm not saying that but if you want to watch uh, a back and, and compare him to a back in nfl history a top top level back that Ken Walker could potentially try and emulate. He, he, he is Marshall Falk all over, in my opinion. Um, I, I, and that touchdown run. I mean, he was dead to right. He was going to the right. Like that, that play, when I look at running backs coming out of college, I look at it when I'm not saying evaluate like I'm a scout, but when I'm looking at running backs, I don't particularly care about the speed, don't particularly care about the hands or block or whatever like that. In terms of a running back, I want to see from a running back when I'm looking at him, and I saw it in Ken Walker coming out of college, can a running back make a play out of a player that is dead? Can, can he bring back to life a player that is dead and busted? Ken Walker, on that play, that player was dead. That player was busted. He was going to the right. There was three Giants players already through our offensive line coming bearing down on him. He goes, right, I'll stick my tippy toes in the ground, turn on a sixpence, and head to the other corner of the end zone then. Breaks another three tackles, he's in. That play shouldn't have happened, but it was Ken Walker, and it did happen because he's got that unique Marshall Falk-esque skill set, in my opinion. I love this kid. Pez, Josh, please. I mean, 51 yards, but it could have been 501 yards. I'd have raved about him as much as, it, as, as I am now if it was the same. I mean, the kid's unbelievable, isn't he? I'll go before Pez has his gush fest. So, Ken I don't Walker. think I need to. <laughs> <laughs> you're still going to we all know it anyone who's listened to this pod before it's just going to sit there and just clap um ken walker now is tied with three teams in the nfl for is it four twenty? is it 20 plus yard touchdowns yeah yeah like, that's that's a rookie I, the, the, I, I was watching that play and I thought, oh, God, he's run straight into all the coverage. He's going to collapse that side of the, the O-line. And for him to have the 
the the savvy, the nouns to to go. I'll try the other way, and it wasn't an easy TD by going the other way no, by no. any means. It, it was so impressive. I, I won't dissect the the, the whole place. I know Pez wants to do it. I mean, Ken Walker, we we have we have found an absolute gem there, and it's very rare. I swear on this podcast, but for all of those people who said. Why'd you take a running back in the second round? Fuck you. Fuck you. Well, hey, That's why. We've got an F yeah, ball on yeah, that, Josh. Yes. That, that is why. There's a reason why you draft special players so highly. There's a reason why our draft class shaped up the way it was. We were lucky to have people fall where they were. But when you have a player of Ken Walker's calibre, and I know people get on Pez's sort of back on Twitter and... And they, they like to chat to, to us on Instagram and, and about Ken Walker and why he shouldn't have been there or he was injury prone. I, I think I put something on our TikTok and it was about some guy saying that he, he was injury prone. He didn't have a receiving profile. And there's about 20 comments on this of people going, yeah, well, he was true. He was right. I was like, doesn't matter. Look at his special talent with his feet. Look at what he does. As a running back, your prime objective, primary objective is that it's in the name, it's Ron Sill. What it says in the tin, you are a running back, not a receiving back, not a Christian McCaffrey freak will throw a touchdown, receive a touchdown, run and run for a yeah, touchdown. Yeah. Ridiculous that the hat trick there. Um, but if you're a running back and you've got someone like Ken Walker and you see what he does running with the ball in hand, you are going to take him if he's available. And we did, and I'm so glad we did. Pez, absolutely. I will mute my mic. I will sip my beer and allow you to go, sir. Do you know what, guys? I think you've done my job for me tonight. You really have. Like, I'm <laughs> oh, just sat here with a big, a hall of famer. big, big smile on my face. But do you know what, James? I like the comparison. Thank you. But you're wrong. Oh. Because oh. there's no, no one like Ken Walker. Oh, there's no the one like... Oh, he's flipped it. By the time he's done... There will be no one like Ken Walker. So a couple of weeks ago, I said, the thing I love about him is not his big splashy plays. It's games like this. Proved exactly what I meant. Last week, I said he beat Saquon statistically and proved that not only is he the best rookie running back, even if Brees Hall was still fit, I, I think Ken will literally eclipse him because our team is a lot better suited to Ken than the Jets are to Brees as the season progressed. But that's by the by. It beat Saquon to prove that he's not just a rookie, but he's one of the top 10 running backs in the league. Like, that's where this kid is now. He is, like, all the stats you've just read. You're talking top five RB numbers here. What a lot of people need to separate is fantasy football running backs and actual running backs. Like, oh, what Josh was saying, it, it is people get a bit too obsessed with fantasy and don't remember what the what the league's all about. Like, Nick Chubb don't catch the ball, but he's the best running back in football. Statistically, he's the best running back in football. Like, and he just runs the fucking football because that's what his job is, what Josh said. But this game, I loved because he was getting beaten, he was getting trodden, and if anyone thought any better, then you clearly just aren't reading the stats. The Giants are great at stopping running backs. 
it was going to be a hard night. The fact that he statistically pretty much matched up to Saquon, and yeah. with everything that Saquon's been doing this year, that just shows where this kid is already. And yeah. what's this? Third third actual full start? Fourth actual full start? Yeah. Like, doesn't get disheartened. Like, again, like I said about wide receivers, some running backs would give it in. Some yeah. running backs wouldn't run as hard. Some running backs wouldn't do what Ken did. And that's why he's so special. Obviously, there's not a Seahawks fan who ever had a tweet out there about him draft night. They're quickly deleting that. The Sue string tackle. That oh. was, he was he was gone. Oh, he was gone. Yeah, he, he was, was gone. gone. And the defender knew it because the defender got up and laughed. Like a nervous laughter is like, if I fuck that tackle up, oh man, don't be messed up. It was, it was a, I did it, thank God, thank God. Yeah, thank God for that. (laughs) Then that touchdown, man. The best part of that whole touchdown, Josh alluded to it, DK Metcalf. (laughs) That was... Took that corner for a walk. Sensational (laughs) behaviour, what he did. But do you know what? And we said it previously, and like we said before about this team, if that was a Russell Wilson Seahawks, DK Metcalf would never do that. But because they're all bought in, and his new... I think with DK, it's his new leadership role. Like I said in the pre-season, I think you're going to see a completely different player in DK because now he's been given more. You put more on his shoulders, the guy thrives. And he witnessed what happened... Literally, I watched um, behind the end zone view. As soon as Ken, Ken had literally just put his toe in the ground to go back DK's way. DK stutter stepped, made his defender second guess and ran like synchronicity on point. Because if that defend, if he left it any longer, that defender would have seen what Ken was doing. But as soon as Ken pivot stepped back the other way. DK then played him like a fiddle and got him off. Like, fucking sensational play. Sensational off the ball play. Got a stat here. So you were saying about how the play was dead. Nine players in the box. Unbelievable. Nine players in the box. And they, so I said it in our chat. He was clearly meant to run straight through the middle because Charles Cross was his blocker. He got through to the second level and was like, where, where, where the fuck is he? <laughs> oh, he's in the end zone over there. Quick, I'm going to try and run over and help him if I can. Not getting to him. Like, not not getting to him one one second, but you saw what the play design was because Charles did his job to perfection. The other elements of the old line broke down, smothered the box. And to, to do that, again, just shows. People are saying top 10 running back. Carries on the way he's going. Easily top five. I will call it right now, seeing as we're chucking predictions out. He carries on like this, he'll be in the top 100 for next season. I mean, it, it, it must be hard to ignore. Yeah. I, th- based on the way the Seahawks are playing this season, I would say that we'll see at least two of our rookies in that top 100. I think that's a Tariq? decent cut. Well, Tariq's surely in there already. <laughs> Tar- Tariq, Tariq's definitely going to be in there for what he's done. I think Walker... Even if he doesn't carry this, just carries on. He's in there, and Colby Bryant carries on peanut punching and gets a few picks by the end of the year. He'll be in there. He'll be in there. He might be nice to hundred. We're, but he we're, will o- be we're in overlooking there. my boys. 
Yeah, the offensive line's playing well. Abe Lucas could be in there as well. But um... it, do you know what? I'll call it now. Abe Lucas will be higher than Charles Cross. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. dominating his side of the field. But yeah. on to Ken. So a stat for you here is Ken has five rushing touchdowns and four of them have all been in the fourth quarter. Geno Smith said something. Geno Smith said in his presser, literally just before that play happened, he turned around to Ken and said, do you know what the elite running backs do? They take the bull by the horns and they go and win it in the fourth quarter for the team. You're that guy. Go and prove that you're that guy. Literally, the play after, he fucking just destroyed all of them. The kid, I'm telling you now, Brees Hall was still fucking playing. Ken is better. Ken is better. It's lucky for him he's actually missing the rest of the season because everyone will be saying by the end of it, Ken should have been drafted over him. Simple. Simple. He's a fucking beast. He is, he is an absolute monster, and I, I just can't wait to watch Ken Walker in, in a Seahawks uniform for a long, long time to come. Um, shout I'd sign him now. I'd sign him now. Give him a new him contract now. Get, get him off his rookie deal. <laughs> yeah, just get him off it now. And the keys to Ken Walker. Um, <laughs> shout out I'll to hand the, my uh, house keys to the Ken. To Ken. I'm sure he'd love that, Pez. If I'm you want a house sure. in Preston, fucking <laughs> Kenneth, come down whenever you want, mate. Dog included, or...? Oh yeah, definitely. Take that. Dog, dog and wife are part of the parcel. Part of the parcel. That's oh, it. the wife, yeah, part of the package. That's the package. Nice. Um, I'm sure that's him sold. Um, <laughs> shout out to the special teams because they've they're coming up good as well. Uh, Will Disley, nice nice hit as well, nice recovery as well. Disley forced a um and recovered a fumble and recovered a fumble. Yeah. That is why he's the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week that we just put on our, uh, our Instagram. just in there. There you yeah. go. Yes. Uh, See, good hit this Travis Homer as well on the second oh. one. We, we have got, and Special Teams is something that I, I've tried to focus on just watching over the last couple of years because Pete puts a massive impetus on special teams. And I never quite got it. I thought it was all special teams, you know, the... They're in the squad. Let's just give them a bit of game time. But but there, there seems to actually be, there's not even seems, there is a method to Pete's madness with this. It's mm. Pete has people in the special teams that can all do a job. He has his runners, his gunners. He has he he has those people that can tackle hard. We, we've already said Travis Homer, this isn't his final form. You know, he as, as soon as Nick Bellore retires... Travis Homer will become an incumbent fullback. Mm-hmm. That that is my prediction going forward because I think he has the skill set to do it. He can run, he can catch. He's a fantastic. He's, he's the best blocking running back we've got. Why not? But Joey Blount at the moment is being touted by every member of the Seahawks organization as being an exceptional talent, and we picked him up as a free agent. You know, he was highly touted coming out of Virginia. Um, he was unlucky not to get drafted. I think he had an injury or something. I can't remember. And now he's proving it. He's coming. He's hungry. He's you see him on the sideline. He's constantly pumping people up. He comes up with plays. He's now going for those safety snaps. They they want to get him on the ball more. And because we're playing less two linebacker packages, more three safety, he's going to get them. And if he carries on this trajectory, there's there's a, a solid chance that he will get more and more. He'll be sharing snaps with some of our established you know, safeties, which 
I'm all about. I think he's been brilliant. Will Disley, I thought he, in special teams, and he, you never really see him in special teams. He doesn't seem to show up. But on Sunday, he was chasing that ball down. He forced the one fumble, then recovered the other one. And Will Disley is, is rightfully getting the the acknowledgement that he deserves. There's a reason we gave him the, the contract we did. We said about this in the last pod. And he's starting to show up now. He showed up with his receiving yards as a tight end. And now he showed up on, on special teams as well. More power to him. Uncle Will, you carry on rocking that Ned Flanders moustache. You absolute hero. Absolute do you, hero. Do you, do you know with this? Um, I've got a, as the uh, tweet said, in the weird stat department. The Seahawks have forced exactly two turnovers in six game in six straight games, and now have forced two turnovers in seven or eight seven of their eight games. That's weird. But you know, it's I don't like doing it, and I don't like this comparison when people say it because I believe stop comparing to the past and just start saying that these can be better than what they were. Like stop going, oh, this is like 2012 and this, but it's hard to get away from because one thing we had back then was special teams. Uh-huh. Like, and this special teams unit, again, to show just how this team is prepared to play for this team, wasn't Nick Below out? And that's why Disley was doing special teams because he was essentially replacing yeah. Nick Below. Uh-huh. And they're just willing to play anywhere and do anything. Um, that uh, Joey Blunt, he got a lot of hype in training camp, didn't he? Yeah. And we spoke about him on here because he did some really nice things in game. So hopefully he can start, like, you know, getting some game time. Um, before we get to the defense, quick shout out to the Takes 12 podcast, Lawford and Brett Davin. Obviously, we've been advertising their package trip to Germany uh, for, for about a month now on this podcast since they contacted us and asking us for help to uh, to help sell their tickets. Well, they've done that. They've sold out their ultimate fan experience, uh, which included match tickets to the Buccaneers and Seahawks game. But fear not, uh, they are still offering a party with the pros package. Um, pretty much everything involved in the ultimate fan experience, just unfortunately without the match tickets. But if you already have match tickets and you're looking for something to do during the weekend in Germany, or if you're just looking to be in Germany for, for to, to soak up the environment and and, and the, the feel-good vibes of the Seahawks going to Germany and the NFL going to Germany for the first time, then there isn't much of a better package to go and do it with than this one. Um, £489, uh, but with the Code we talk 12 at checkout, you will get 12% off that. So I'm not going to do the mask because there's a reason why I didn't take that at university. You can do that <laughs> yourselves. Um, but basically, it'll save you some money. But let's get to the defense. There is only one place to start. Um, for me, anyway, I know you, you mentioned Ryan Neal there, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely get on to him as well. But as we'd like to start from the defensive line and work our way back, on this defensive line, there's only one place to start for me. Uchenna Nwosu, um, two what sacks. What a boy. What a boy. Called it at the start of the season. I really like the signing. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and pr- say that I predicted him to be playing this well. I just I, I think he's an underrated player. He's playing well in the NFL for the Chargers. I like the look of him for the money that we paid for him. And um, and now he's sitting here, five sacks. I mean, another just two sacks before, but he's just so explosive off that line is exactly what this Seahawks defense is is 
it's needing the, the mold. He fits the the kind of the philosophy of the young, bringing in young defensive players to fit this three four defense. These versatile players, and um, it, it's just a it's just a Swiss Army knife. You can just you can line him up line him up anywhere, drop him back in coverage, put him on the line of scrimmage as an edge rusher. Do you can do anything with him. And again, as you as we've talked about Austin Blythe being a leader on the defense. I don't know if you've watched any of the mic'd up series of 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 Uchenna Nwosu as well, yep. um, and just listening to him on the general mic'd up videos and the all access videos. But you can tell this guy's a leader as well. Um, it, I mean, the, the the one against the Chargers was fascinating. He was he was absolutely loving that game against the Chargers, and um, and the the game ball was dedicated to him after the game. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, he, he's just he's just so special as well. Off, of, I, I can't. For my money, we call a defensive free agent signing anywhere in the past few years coming in and making more of an impact than Uchenna Nwosu has for the Seahawks. Um, the guy's just making plays every single game, whether it's sacks, strips, tackles for loss. He's doing something and putting something on film every single game. Um, but we'll run through the sack totals. Um, so obviously Uchenna Nwosu with two. We've got Cody Barton with a sack as well. Um Puna Ford with another sack. Again, big shout out to Puna because we called him out, or I called him out on this podcast. And again, another one taking the court, turning the corner now as they all are. Um, Boye Mafe, rookie continuing to impress. A rookie that's perhaps Boye. been lost. Yeah, his, his name's perhaps been lost a little bit in, 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 in sort of the discussion amongst our rookies with Kobe and Tariq and Kane and Lucas and Cross. Uh, but Boye Mafe is quietly playing very, very well in his rookie year as well. Um, and I'm a little bit disappointed, by the way, just before I come to you, Pez, I'm a little bit disappointed that Bruce Irvin hasn't been given a sack for that manhandling of Saquon Barkley, yeah. throwing him into Daniel. I mean, that's got to be his sack. How's that, how was it was, that it was Dan, Daniel Jones into Saquon. Daniel Jones into Saquon. Daniel Jones into Saquon. Now, I'm in two minds of that. Was that savvy veteran play or was that Bruce Irvin just desperately trying to get to the runner? But unfortunately, Daniel Jones was in the way. So it's like I'll just go through you to get to him. Either way, it worked. You know? I think it was. I think it was a savvy play because he didn't like, you know, it didn't look like he bulldozed into him. He looked like he intentionally like put his shoulder. Him. Yeah, yeah. He forced him back it into it. It's almost like he read. It was something out of a Marvel film, that wasn't it? He's going yeah. to be one of the next Avengers <laughs> throwing people around like that. I mean, dearie me, you can't do that to, to Daniel Jones and say that's got to be a sack. But anyway, I, but. As aside from that, I think Bruce Irving played very well on a side note as well. He should have had that definite sack on Daniel Jones, which unfortunately he missed, um, but it didn't really affect the drive. It, it, you know, it didn't really matter in the end, but um, should have been a definite sack at least. But mm-hmm. yeah, that play was pretty pretty fun to watch. Um, but this defensive line and this defence, turn the corner, aren't they, Pez, now? Yeah, like just looking at the stats... Interesting because the stats I've got up here doesn't have L- LJ Collier register and anything, but he had that bad pass down, didn't he? It was a pass defence and he had a QB hit as yeah. well. Yeah. So, interesting. Like, at the end of the day, uh, he might not have done much. He, interesting to see what his snap count was, if you could see that, Josh, if it tells you that, because I doubt he would have got many. But if he's getting a QB hit and getting his big palm up in the air with the limited time he's getting coming back off injury... You just gotta maybe look out. Does this defense suit him more? You can no. shake your head, James, but the thing what you've I got am. to understand, yeah, but the thing you've got to understand is this defensive line is the is the best defensive line clearly we have had for many a year. Absolutely. And LJ Collier might not be a first rounder, 
But anytime you've seen LJ Collier do anything was when he has solid players next to him. Look at the line. So you've got Cousin Nwosu, right? He's going to elevate everyone around him because he is target number one. That's why Daryl Taylor is seeing success. Then you talk about Puna. Now he's starting waking up. So they've not just got to think of Nwosu, they've got to think of straight through the middle. It's going to start leaving gaps and a player like an LJ Collier, your boy Mathes, them kind of rotational players, I think they might start showing up a little bit more because what? your key veterans are getting the respect. Our defensive line never got the respect. You've got to admit that. They never got the respect. LJ Collier isn't a first-round talent. You can smugly smile all you want at me, James. But there is there is a point behind it. You've just got to wait and see. This is the best offensive line, uh, defensive line he's had, right? I've I've been waiting. I've see. been waiting and seeing for LJ Collier since he came to Seattle. I've right, waited okay, long so enough. tell me, tell me, tell me when we had a defensive line like this ever since LJ. Yeah, but that's not. That's not. Tell me when. No, but that's not a plus for LJ Collier. If 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 I'm not saying, plus for I'm the not line. saying it's a plus. I'm not saying it's a plus. Listen, stop being smug. I'm getting it. I'm saying he might be a decent rotational piece. Listen yeah. to the wording. Not first teamer, first rounder. Good rotational piece on selective snaps who can get a QB hit, who can bat a ball down in a very key time because of the players around him. Do you no, understand it, where I'm coming from? Rotational piece. LJ, I'm not going to be hyped into LJ Collier. Put it that way. Right. So, so we said this, or I said this at the start of the season about LJ Collier starting to find his feet, and this might be a break, not like breakout as in, oh my god, he's now going to be signed by everyone wants him, but this might be a season where LJ Collier starts doing bits. I think this game proved, as Pez has just said, and I will 100% stick with you here, Pez, it's proved that LJ Collier can come into the rotation and do bits. No, it hasn't. He can't. It hasn't. He's battered down one pass. He's battered down one pass. A crucial pass on fourth down. Yeah. You can't say he does nothing. He doesn't do anything. The sun shines the dog's ass once you know, but it's let, this could be the start. Let, let's just live in hope. Just because you have some intrinsic hatred for Elgie Collier, yeah, I do. Right, just just give it the fact that he batted down a crucial pass and he had one QB pressure for a man who I've not got the stats up here because it's a lot of effort for me to get up them at the moment, and I will do next time. Wasn't in the rotation that much this week. I, I, I guarantee he was probably in the rotation for about 10 to 15 snaps max. Good. All right. But if that's what we're getting from him, then I'll take that because it's a building block. Even if it's a matter of someone is blowing out of their hoop and you and you go, LJ, come in, fill a couple of snaps, just, just see what you can do there. And he can do, he can put a QB pressure on, bat something down. I'm not expecting him to get three sacks a game, but if he's a rotational piece, what you have to think of in every team, think of it as a clock. You have your big cogs, your Enchelinuosus, your Al Woods, your Shelby Harrises, and then you have those little cogs. 
the integral ones that keep the big ones working because those big ones get tired because they're oh. used a lot. No, These little no, right. dogs Preach, do less work, Preach, but still do stuff. No, I love your reference. It's a beautiful, a, a lovely analogy, lovely worded. It's a fantastic analogy, but it falls down the fact that you're tying it to LJ Collier. LJ Collier is not a cog that helps other people work. He's been anything but a cog that's helped anything spin and work and tick. I, I, I will put this to you as a coach. I'll put this to you as a coach, right? Any, any player in any squad who is, in rugby terms, we call them bin juice. I've told you this before. I call him that, yeah, as well. Perpetual perpetual bag carrier, Mm. right? However, those players still help those ahead of them improve by being a walking tackle dummy, a bag carrier, someone for someone else to practice with. LJ Collier has been really unfortunate with injuries. His form has been well off. He's not been worth the, the draft pick we spent. I will give you that. But... If he can come in and he has that amount of raw talent where he can actually do something besides being a revolving door on the D-line, I'm happy because that is his role. He is not a superstar. He's not going to do anything else. All he's got to do is try and get to the QB and not let someone run past him. Fine. If he's he's not on the injury report next week, I'll be happy. Put it that way. Okay, cool. Lads. I love the fact that I've took you two down the rabbit hole for about 10 yeah, cheers, minutes. Cheers, mate. Now, fucking class. <laughs> yeah, cheers. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting so good at this, Ben. So, anyway, you're I'll right. get us out of it. Them uh, linebackers good are quite, weren't they? Surprising. Jordan Brooks isn't at the mm-hmm. top of the... Uh, not far, just two tackles off, but not at the top of the list for once. That must excite you, Josh. Well, because the D-line actually did its job. Yep. Because the D-line did its job. <laughs> weirdly, weirdly. And I, I know people may look at us as British podcasters who, in inverted commas, know nothing about American football. However, the principles of a contact sport based on positions and your role within that position is pretty universal. If your job is to do something and you don't do it, it means the person behind you fulfilling that secondary job has to do it more. In this case... Our D-line showed up and showed out. They were fantastic. Saquon couldn't get moving. We put pressure on Daniel Jones. It it just, all angles. And Chenonuosu, and I said this this off air, he's he's slowly and surely becoming one of my favourite players. The man doesn't look like he should be able to move like that because if you look at him, at the top, he's pretty barrel-esque you know he's not like shredded or anything like that but the dude can move the dude can shed blockers he he has got all the tools you you want and need for someone to do that and as Pez has quite rightly said because of what he's doing it is elevating the rest of that D-line not taking away Al Woods being an absolute machine Shelby Harris finally finding his feet now. Yeah. And he, he said in a presser that, well, it's in a press, just an interview, this is the best football he's played of his career. And he is not yeah. going to let that go. Best you record know, Poon- he's had in his career. And yeah. Puna has started showing up as well. And we yeah. slated him a couple of weeks ago saying he wasn't doing enough. Well, I, I They're, might all have They're all going out to steak. They're all going out to steak dinners with prime, each other. You can have prime rib. I do not care. Because if it means that our linebackers are able to cover their part of the field without having to make these tackles 
I'm happy with that because it means that we aren't letting teams run through us for over 100 yards per game. I mean, Daniel Jones the other week had over 100 rushing yards as a QB. There was no way on God's green earth he was getting that this game. What did he have? 20. 20. Saquon had 53. They had a total of 78 rushing yards. And that Brilliant. all starts up front. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, I just wanted to jump in there, seeing as we're talking about people we uh, slated. Because if the linebackers really, from I watched the second half, but they didn't really do much, to be honest. In, but from what I saw. So I'd just like to personally take us into the secondary. Take your job off you, James. You put your feet up, go and get yourself a brew. Because right. I want to talk about Michael Jackson. Because I was the one who slated him last <laughs> week. I slated, I kind of slated him last week saying I want him to prove it. And for me, did he prove it? He listened, the Seahawks listen to our podcast. <laughs> all we need to do is slate a player and you better put your house on it. They're going to go off the week after because Jesus led the team in tackles because as James rightly said, what I'm guessing he's probably got in his notes what he wants to go on to is they just literally stayed away from Tariq Wallen. Mm-hmm. And they were like, right. And what I said, I literally said it. So Daniel Jones listens to my podcast as well because my podcast, fucking hell, I'm getting, James, take it back. I'm getting to it myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because he just targeted Michael Jackson and he just dealt with it. Four passes defence, seven tackles, seven solo tackles. He just locked that shit down. And I was just, Mm. that's what I want to see. And we're all talking about Trey Brown this and Trey Brown that. Trey Brown's going to be very, very hard to beat him out. After that performance, he's going to struggle to get his job back because that was a starting I'm here to stay performance. You want to doubt me? Here you go. Have some well, juice. We wave, we wave Sydney Rice because of this. Sydney Rice? Sydney, Sydney Jones. Well, he's doing well, isn't he? Oh, my God. Blast from the past. But we wave Sydney Jones because of this. And you got to think, by the end of last season, Sydney Jones was a, a starting yep. cornerback for us. Yep. But Mike Jack has obviously come in. The the guys love him. Like they're, already, they're always talking about how well he's done. And he showed this game that he can be the Kobe Bryant to Tariq Wallen's source gardener. If you're not going to throw at Tariq for fear he's going to intercept it and you're going to keep throwing at Mike Jackson, crack on if he plays like that. Again, though, with Mike Jackson, I am going to give it my usual, give me some consistency and Mm -hmm. I will praise him properly. It was a great game from him, but I'm not going to say... This is him for the season. I want consistency because he started high, then had that dip. And we can't have somebody peaks and troughs. We need someone who maintains a decent level. Yeah. So totally agree. Like I say, it targeted 11 times, but three pass breakups, allowing just five completions for less than 35 yards, no touchdowns, 52.8 passer rating, and only six combined yards after the catch for Michael Jackson. Um, yeah, I think that was, for me, that was his best performance so far the regular season. Um, so that's a really bright spark. Again, waving Sidney Jones, potentially hinting at maybe Trey Brown being just about ready to come back now as well, if they're comfortable mm-hmm. waving him at this point. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll move on to the other guy, if, whilst we're on the, uh, the secondary, who we have to talk about. And if we're talking about signing Geno Smith up ASAP, 
Um, let's let's tie Ryan Neal down, shall we, as well? Because my goodness me, that guy is balling. Um, he's a restricted free agent for 2023. We, we've only got him under contract for this year. Sign him up. Do not let him even test that free agency market because I know he went out the game and I know he cramped up and potentially maybe got to watch, you know... You'd injury. cramp up if you did that much work oh, as well. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think he was, on, he was on three hours sleep and IV fluids for, for the Chargers game. He was cramping up all game for, against the Giants and still, and yet still, the man is an absolute... Men- again, but he is... He, thank God we've got a Ryan up because he's doing what I think Jamal Adams could be doing. For the, but you take away Jamal Adams, you put Ryan Neal in there, line of scrimmage, tackles for loss, but then he's just as good in coverage. I mean, sign him up. Ryan, Ryan Neal is fulfilling the role in defence that they had in mind for Jamal. Mm. It took him a few games because they were starting, was it Josh Jones? Josh Jones, who. Yeah. It's just been Ryan proven Neal's that he up, is not quite there. Yeah. So Ryan Neal has come in, and bear in mind, a few years ago, this guy thought he was washed up in the league. He's come into yeah. Seattle, we gave him the chance, and he's balling out every time. We've said this multiple times on this pod. Every time he comes on and plays, he does something of note. Yeah. You always seem to go, Ryan Neal did this at every single mm-hmm. game. And he's proven it more and more. The more game time he's getting, the better he's getting, the more he's understanding this role. What six total, six total tackles, all six of them solo, two tackles for loss. You know, great in coverage. He, the, the man has just been brilliant, and I, I was a big fan of Rhino last season. I thought when he came in and started actually showing what he could do, he balled out, and he's doing the exact same thing this year. I think it's when you've got. With Adams, he's obviously the focal point in that strong safety position, but he's unreliable. When you've got someone like Ryan Neal, that you know if Adams gets injured again, if he breaks something else and ends up with another wangy finger, Ryan Neal can step in and he can fulfil that role with a plumb. And he is yep. doing so. He's endearing himself so much to the people of Seattle that the organisation at some point needs to take a look at him and go, there's got to be an extension. We've got to find money for this man somewhere because you can't rely on Jamal to stay fit. You know, they've got the money. Exactly, they've, they've got, got the money, money and and we talked about it as well. We talked about on the pod about potentially do we need a draft of safety because you know will we get rid of Jamal? Quandre is not playing particularly well this season, and then Josh Jones' performances have been subpar. He, he doesn't look like a starter in the NFL. So do we need it? if we if we sign up Ryan Neal? Obviously, you keep Quandria Diggs. What is he under contract for another three years? I think he signed a four-year contract. Do whatever you want to do with Jamal. But Ryan Neal, if you sign him up for another couple of years, you take the pressure off needing to, to burn a, a high first-round pick or a second-round pick or whatever on a safety and spend it elsewhere because why Why would you let Ryan Neal even test the free agent market at this point? Just sign him up. He's not going to cost loads. He loves it in Seattle. Where the, where the team that's given him his first proper real shot is... He's, he's, uh, yeah, it just makes too much sense. Sign him up. Don't even let him test that free agent market. Um, and then let's I'll, get to these corners. Go on, Pez. Sorry. I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you what's going to happen with uh, Jamal. They're going to. If Ray Neal carries on the way he's going, they'll get rid of Jamal. It's an interesting okay. one. So so what? Like Cap they've it. lost the picks. They've lost the picks, but they've got the picks back from Russ. 
They've lost him sound, didn't work out. Like, never really been injured before he came to Seattle. Just didn't work out. Why keep him around when you've got mm-hmm. Ryan Neal? You don't need him. I've said in the past, he's a, he's a you cheat, you cheat man, Jamal. But again, another person who clearly listens to our podcast because he gets better week in, week out. Yeah. He he isn't really your cheap, your, your poor man's Jamal. Because he is the focal point of that defense. What I said before, Joey Blunt, if anything, they need to find a safety who's a good enough standard to maybe give him a breather. Because yeah. Quandre Diggs, in my opinion, the way it's going at the moment, Quandre Diggs, not taking anything away from him, the experience, the quality of the player, but Ryan Neal seems to be the, the leader of that secondary. Mm. He is doing everything. And they won't see it like that. They'll see it as like how Cameron Earl saw it. They're just, they're just a in-sync partnership kind of way. But I'm telling you now, Ryan Neal carries on the way they're going. They'll get him signed up and then they'll look at anyone who would take Jamal on. Mm. Get rid of his contract. Get rid of him. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Love Jamal as a player. Could you imagine what Jamal would have been like playing how Ryan Neal's playing? Yeah. But another thing what I'd say on Ryan Neal, he's, he's a DJ Dallas. He gets better as every year goes on. What was it last year? Everyone slated him. Nah, don't sign. What In the, in the preseason, don't sign Ryan Neal back. There's no point. His coverage skills just aren't good enough for what we want. Coverage mm-hmm. skills aren't good enough. But then when you make him the focal point of your defence, you realise... His coverage skills actually are fucking good. He's mm-hmm. actually improved. And he runs round free and just smashes everyone. Like, yeah. it, it, he, needs, he needs to be tied down, doesn't he? <laughs> he? He's the dominating force in that secondary. He is. Take, yeah. take away your Tariq Wollens, your Quandres, your Colbys, your Mike Jacksons. Ryan Neal is the guy. Yeah. Tariq yeah. might be the new hot stuff. But Ryan Neal is the guy, and everyone needs to realise that if they don't already. Oh, oh Tariq Wollen is the hot stuff, Pez. We, we've established this. He is the hot, hot, hot stuff. And now not being targeted as much because he is the hot stuff. Um, him and Kobe Bryant, for that matter. Um, but I think noticeably it's been with Tariq Wollen over the past two weeks. Um, obviously no interceptions, but teams, you can just see it. Teams and quarterbacks are fright. They are frightened to throw the ball Tariq's way. They tried it once or twice. They tried it on Wandale Robinson, Tariq with the excellent coverage on the breakup going down mm-hmm. to the down to the turf. Um, and then he got that sort of unfortunate one on Darius Slayton where it was kind of like in his hand, then not in his hands, and Slayton took it away. And it, it great coverage from Tariq. He was right there. It's just a weird play that sometimes happens. Don't think you can particularly put that on Tariq. Um, but I think you can just see, I mean, between... Between Herbert and, and and Daniel Jones, you start to see now quarterbacks and, and and offensive play callers saying, "Do not throw to that side unless something's open, unless there's a busted coverage. Do not consistently test that number 27 um, because he will pick you off." And and I think people might start. It's it's just a, a thing to keep in mind if people start sort of getting a little bit concerned or oh, where's Tariq's interceptions gone? Is he falling off? It, it, yeah, people have completely figured him out. No, it, people haven't figured him out. People just look just at his targets. Gonna, yeah, people are just not going to throw his way anymore. Um, it's not because the kid's fallen off or everyone's suddenly figured him out now. Um, you know, quarterbacks are not going to repeatedly test this guy anymore. But I still think he, 
I still think he's got a chance at Richard Sherman's eight interceptions record. Um, I wouldn't write that off yet, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see because quarterbacks are quaking in their boots. Um, so, any any word on the cornerbacks, Josh, other than uh, the Mike Jackson, the the rookies? I think the I think you you hit the nail on the head with it. I think the people are probably going to start looking at Woolen again. We're going where's his stats gone? But again, you look at how many times he targeted. The only time a QB is going to target someone like Woolen maybe next week when he's up against D Hop, and that'll be a real test. But yeah, that'll okay. be an interesting test for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take an elite wide receiver with elite speed, elite hands, and route running for a QB, a, Q, a QB to have any kind of faith in their receiver to get the ball over him. I mean, I, there's not much you can say. I mean, Kobe as well. I think Kobe's just the, the tandem of Kobe and Tariq is just working. It's working so well. I mean, what Kobe was like five tackles, five solo tackles. This game, he's he he's not as well. Um, he Online, did, anyway. yeah, 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 he did, and 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 this is it. I think these two players are just coming into their own. Tariq's now proven as a complete wild card. We chucked him in there at the deep end, and he's proven that he can do it. Kobe, as Pezza said time and time again, is such a cerebral player that every time he plays, he learns something, and he gets better. I wouldn't be surprised to see if more and more QBs start to start start to target Mike Jackson more mm-hmm. and more to see what he's made of and see if he can keep producing numbers like he did in this game because they won't throw it to, to Wallen. The only issue I'm going to have with that is that that might mean that you get Kobe having to play over at Mike Jack's side as well, which would leave Wallen on a one-on-one. But again, that'll be the making of him. If he can cover these elite receivers one on one, you know, I, I, fair play to the lad. I, I don't think we can say a lot more about our, our cornerback room at the moment. I, I want to see Trey Brown back because I've said yep. time and time again, I just want to see DBs that can hit and people are afraid to run at. Um, but at the moment, like I said, he's going to have a hard job displacing Mike Jackson. Yeah, and also um, can we just mention Mike Jackson's cleats for the game had Michael Jackson on them? Did they? I didn't know they did. They had a Michael Jackson moonwalking on his cleats. Now, if I mean, that is not someone who has gone, yeah. you know what? People take the piss out of my name all the time. I'll That's roll with that. Say, if you've got a name like that, you may as well buy in. You, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Tariq Woolen did it again last week, and I said it's something I want to see from him. I want to see that one-on-one. I want to see him in pure coverage, not. Like him getting beat and chasing him down. I want to see him go toe for toe. He did it last week and locked it all down. And he did it again this week a couple of times. Daniel Jones went his way. And I know the Giants receivers aren't the best, but he just locked it down one on one. And D Hop loves what side does he play? He plays solely on the right, doesn't he? Yeah. Is it the right? He has a position yeah. where he on, he only does he like slot right, outside right. That the right side of the mm-hmm. field is his. I'm gonna say now, it would. I'm gonna save it for positive pez. It's something I'm you gonna save it for in. the positive pez. Um, just, just 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 is it the right? Because I remember that you know remember the the hail mary bomb that Kyler threw. It was the left, wasn't it? 
So if he's the left, then that means it's going to be him versus Tariq. Bring it on. Well, oh, even if it isn't, it I've got a, I've got, I've got, I'll save it for positive pairs. I've got some. All right. Well, before we get to the uh, the community questions and positive pairs, Josh, do you want to shout out our longest standing sponsor, Blessed CBD? I do. Blessed CBD have just come through with a a, a big uh, order for myself. Uh, I got some CBD uh, gummies and CBD tincture for me. Um, I simply went on CBD BlessedCBD.co.uk um, and selected what I wanted. They had a nice little offer going for mine. Um, and I just used the code Seahawk at the end, and I got 10% off. It was lovely. It also means that I've now got my CBD fix for the month, and my wife has her CBD fix for the month, which hopefully, well, I say hopefully, I know it helps with anxiety. It helps with her sleeping. It's going to help me with my recovery from my spinal cord injury, which is a constant thing. Um, please go ahead. Everyone that is ordered repeated just repeated their orders as well thank you so much for helping the pod out as you you may see or may hear pez is a bit clearer we are we're trying to get that that mic refined and it will work at some point um but yeah it's a massive help to us and if you really have any questions feel free to message us on our insta feel free go on the faq section of blessed cbd it's on blessedcbd.co.uk Code Seahawk, 10% off your order. And they're currently running some fantastic offers if you become a member as well. There you go. Code Seahawk, 10% off. It is as simple as that. So thank you very much for all of you who have already done so. Um, right. Let's stick to these community questions. Um, have we got any in, lads, tonight? We, we have. We have got a few, actually. Um, because we've had so many, I think we need to limit it to one question per person, though. Um, so I will start with our good friend, Sai Washira, um, who is a constant listener and always ready to give us a good question. Weirdly enough, I just want to shout him out. He said, appreciation for the defence. Mike Jackson had something magical in his cleats and on his cleats, I'm going to say. Um what do we feel made him so effective in the Giants game? Tough one. Um, I mean, like we said, the spotlight was on Mike because Tariq isn't going to get targeted much anymore. Um, and I think it's that potential knowledge of perhaps that he, he, he realised and, he, and he's seen that the Seahawks, right, they've waved Sidney Jones. They're comfortable with the depth at the minute. He knows that Trey Brown is in the pipeline coming back. At this point, Mike Jackson is still playing for his role on this defense. In my opinion, he's, he's playing for his role on this. He's going to, I mean, whatever happens, he, he'll be on the team. But in terms of staying out on the field, getting the snaps, lining up at that number two cornerback spot, um, because you'd, like I say, we, you'd imagine Trey Brown will be right in there to, to take that spot from him when he does come back fully healthy. So Mike Jackson now needs to know that these next two, three weeks, potentially before Trey Brown is ready to come back and play uh, a massive for, for his career at this point um, in terms of playing in the NFL and, and playing regularly. If he can play well in these next couple of weeks, it'd be very hard to to just come in and say, right, thanks, Mike Jack, but Trey Brown's back now. You, you know, you're out kind of thing. Um, so I think it's maybe that sort of added incentive, that added 
motivation to know, right, I really need to play well these next couple of weeks because, you know, this is my time to, this is my job advert, this is my time to show, right, I'm Trey Brown's coming back, but I, I'm the man, he, he's going to have to take that job from me um, rather than, than vice versa, rather than the other way around. So it, it, it's a tough one, it's an interesting one. Um, that, that, that's, that would be my answer. I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. I'll be very honest. My two cents is, A, I think the defensive coaching and schemes helped him. B, I think he was fortunate to be playing a Giants team that don't have an out-and-out elite wide receiver on his side. Mm. I think that massively helped. You could go through this wide receiver mm. room for the Giants and no one's going to make you go, I will sign him in fantasy. He's going to be fantastic. I, yeah. I reckon he might be an MVP. I think that was a big help for him. I think the fact that the defensive brain trust for the Seahawks probably schemed it to the point where they will have scouted who was on his side. So they he knows the routes, he knows their moves, he knows the personnel. I think that would be it. Like I said, I'm very much in a... I'm always a prove-me-wrong person in my personal life, my sporting life. I want him to prove me wrong because I'm saying that he's not great. He's good. But I want him to prove me wrong. If consistency is the key, if he can carry on doing this against better wide receivers, if it's, it's all going to be a matter of consistency now. I yeah. think it was just well well schemed and looked to be coming up against a shoddy wide receiver room. Well, I'll, I'll go for the next one because uh, I've got it up in front of me. Luke from our Discord chat. Cheers for this question, Luke. Um, at this point in time, what would be a successful season for us? Um, again, it's it's an adjusting of the of the goalposts, adjusting of the sights in, in this weird way because we're five and three and none of us expected to be here. And now for me... I'm getting to that. I'm starting to get to that emotional state of, you know what? If we don't make the playoffs, I'm going to be quite disappointed because we're, we're five and three. We're playing so well, and even though it feels like we're potentially getting ahead of ourselves now, I'd feel like, you know, we've done all this. We've proven all these people wrong in this first half of the season. If it if it does fall away and it does stop working out in the second half of the season, I'd be really disappointed. So I. I don't know. I, it, it's look. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be disappointed if we don't make the playoffs in the same sense because you know we, we've got five more wins than a lot of people had us winning all season already if, at that point. At this point, anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it, it. I mean, playing like the way we are, we're five and three. We're five and three for a reason. We're not flukes at this moment in time. We're playing really well. We're playing like a, a real legit five and three team would be playing. And and you have to say that at the minute we're we're, we're playing like a playoff team, aren't we? So it, for me, it, it it's a, it's a and Pete said it at the start of the season. We are still in playoff mode. We are still we're not we're not you know hitting reset. And and I've got to give it to the guy. I'm 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 now in the camp of yeah. Come on then, let, let, let's go for playoffs. And um, so that 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 for me would be a, a successful season. But to be honest, we've already had a successful season. For me, we've already proven in lots of other ways, in the rookies, in the culture, in Geno Smith, there's been so many successes in this season already. But playoffs, why not? You Playoffs, go on, give us a uh, a number. Win-losses. I mean, without looking at the schedule coming ahead off the top of my head, I mean, we can win 10 do games this ske- season. Do you want the schedule? No, we haven't got time for that. We haven't got time. But I'll, ten, I'll just ten say, and seven. 
I'll say we can we can win five more games between now and the end of the season. Easy. We can win at least ten games this I'm season. And in the day they've exceeded everyone's expectations. So fucking anything from this point is great. They're at exactly where we predicted them for the rest of the season. So they'd have to lose every single game for us to then basically be where we said they were going to be. So anything after this, and just quick rattle off Raiders, Panthers, Jets. Bucks who aren't playing that well, simple four wins there. Like we're not losing every single game from now till the end of the season. So anything is a success. Anything is. Doesn't matter if you make the playoffs or not, because this team is growing somewhere. That's how I see it. So I'm you said it, James. How you're starting to get that, oh, you're starting to get that nervous energy. I'm loving this season because I don't get nervous about any of these games. I thought I would have by now, but I just don't. I just don't. I'm just like, I, I just want to see what the end picture is. I'm not getting overexcited. Like Josh said, like I said, prove me wrong season. Even though it started off shoddy and everyone got over the top and it's been good for the last three games and everyone's getting over the top, everyone needs to chill out. There's still how many games left? We could absolutely fall off the place of the earth. We could go on the winning run to the end of the end of the season, get number one seed, and get to the to get NFC Championship game against the Eagles, and it all goes to rat shit. Like you know, I'm with you, Pez. Anything now? You know what I mean? This point you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything from now? Just, just don't. No, no. Any other listeners, don't get ahead of yourselves. Just enjoy the ride. Don't don't do what we Super do. Bowl. Sorry. Don't do what we do every <laughs> single year and get over the top excited of three wins. Let's just enjoy the ride for what it is. Just appreciate yeah. what this team is doing right now instead of thinking what they possibly can do. But if you really want me to pull my finger, we play the team who we're going to see in the Super Bowl at Christmas Eve. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, Pez, I love you, mate. Have you got one last question <laughs> before we get to positive, Pez, or is that it for the question? Yeah, my brother's chucked one in here quickly. Um, well, he's chucked in loads. He's, I, I read it and it gives me an headache. I, 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 I like his defence one. What? The... Do you, so, I'll, I'll put it in my words, because his words make zero sense if I read them out. <laughs> he's basically saying, with Pete... Pete relinquishing control of the offense, that's pretty telling he is. Because, like everyone's saying, but do we feel like he's letting go of the defense and letting some of his, as we spoke in the past at the start of the season, is he letting his defensive coaching and assistants start taking the reins a little bit and he's doing a, he's being a head coach and sitting back and taking all the credit? For me, yeah. It's obvious. It doesn't look like Pete's defense. It doesn't look like Pete's offense. Yeah. So for those of you on our Discord, Pez has uh, pinned the link to it at the top of our Twitter, and it'll be reposted on our Insta. But Pez's brother Luca is the biggest hater of Pete's prevent defense you will ever hear or know in your life. He absolutely despises it. And I can see why, because it's just giving people those easy five, seven yards every time. Now, the fact that in our Discord, 
in our group chat, he hardly said it over the last couple of games, says to me that Pete has gone, Clint, Sean, take it. I will dabble. I will I will nip in every now and again when I feel something's necessary. But I think that is, uh, again, we use this word a lot, indicative of how the coaching setup has gone. And and I, I, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I, I call this at the start of the season that I think this is going to be the season where he finally releases the reins. He's got a coaching team around him that he has faith in now. And by elevating Clint Hurt, who could have been seen as a peak guy because he was part of his staff before, but let's face it, Clint Hurt is a Clint Hurt guy. You're not going to argue with him. And having a defensive mastermind like Sean Desai come in as well, Pete has gone. You do you, and it is working on this this three four defense. It the first few games of the season when we were getting used to it. You could tell that Pete every now and again went prevent. Let's just let's just stop things going over the top. Let's just make sure we're safe. And it was annoying. Whereas now we're putting the pressure on the QB. The D line is disrupting everything. Our cornerbacks don't have to play prevent. They can play man and they can keep up with the guys. I think it says a lot. And I think personally, I think that Pete has loosened the reins and he's let his coaches and coordinators do what they want to do or what they need to do with little to no interference from him. The second part of that question that I think needs to be addressed, Pez, is is Pete going to retire at the end of this season? No. I don't think so. If if I, we won the Super Bowl, he'd go. Yeah. But I no. think James James has said it before, he's a gambling addict. I think if he sees this team trending in the right way, he's got at least one more season to see where he can take it. He's got one more good draft class where he is going to try and find the pieces to fit into this team to make it a Super Bowl contender, and then he'll ride out next season and go from there. I think that that's that's how I see it going, and that's what I'd do as a coach in his situation as well. To be honest, I feel like, for me, um, like everyone says, when Jody's, uh, like allowed to sell the team in 2024, I think... Mm-hmm whether he wants to go or he doesn't want to go, depending where the team is at the time, I think he'll be gone by then. I think he'll go when Jody goes because the new owners might come in, depending where we are. Like for all you know, we could go Super Bowl, Super Bowl, create like the new dynasty and shock everyone. But you'd imagine that the new owner will come in and just basically say, no, mm. we want young. We want to have someone young and keep them for years and years and years and years. So, I think the only way he goes this year is if he wins a Super Bowl. But Agreed. Then what you said, gambling addict, he'll want that again. Let's end with Positive Pez, our favourite segment. Josh, are you ready? Positive, positive Pez. Pez. Positive Pez. Oh, we are you positive? Already. Yeah, positive we about this Never mind. No, that, that, that was perfect. It started off really good. No, no, but you then... started off out and then you were good. Oh, really? I thought we started yeah, off in time. And then, no, and no, then you the, started the, out with time and then you oh, came in time. Oh, oh. oh. James, good, guys. To, the, the, we're going to have more rehearsal meetings. We're off. You're going to have to record it on your phone because I think this three-way lags. <laughs> it, it does. That, that's the experience. So <laughs> always the way in a three-way. Someone's always falling behind. Right, get on with it. <laughs> 
Right, the Cardinals, that little, little man's back. Oh, we love him. So, I think Kyle Murray is going to get sacked six times in this game. He do, he, he's showing that he doesn't want to use his legs as much. He's, he, he, he seems a bit hesitant to start running. The way this line's been playing, I think if he doesn't use his legs as much, I think they're just going to get to him and get to him and get to him. And then people will go, oh, but Pez, what about DeAndre Hopkins? Doesn't matter. Because like we were saying before, whether he's on the left or he's on the right, in my head, for some reason, I think, I swear, he solely stays on the right side. Um, and if he does, I will not be surprised if Tariq, you see Tariq move over and follow him. Like a Richard Sherman, Rick Sherman used to always follow the wide receiver one. And this game is going to elevate Tariq because he's going to get that you're our star corner and you're going to you're going to track DeAndre. And with that, because I'm just jumping into a big positive hole, he's going to lock him down because that's how Kyle is going to get set for six times. Doesn't trust Rondell Moore. He only really goes to DeAndre Hopkins in hope. Well, D-Hop loves to cause them flags. And Tariq's probably going to get a couple of flags for holding. It's going to happen. He's a master at doing it. But he's only going to do that because he's going to get frustrated because Tariq's just going to lock him down. And on top of that, because Tariq's locking him down, Kobe's going to get his first interception What's not going to be taken away from him. Oh, I like it. And Ken Walker's going to go over 100 yards for his usual two touchdowns. One's going to be a passing touchdown. Ooh. Nice little to the outside. See you later, kids. Probably say he's going to make about four men miss, and then we're all going to explode with excitement. Pez, you've nailed it once again. Everyone, write those down. Take a note, because if there's any week, it'll be this week. Pez is going to get them right. Kobe Bryant, interception. Ken Walker with a receiving touchdown. I right, miss. I'm with you on... You want one little more before we go? Uh, uh, why not? Go on, give us another positive nugget. If Nick Below's still out, it doesn't apply to World Disley. It just moves to Noah Fant. One of our tight ends is going to lead us in receptions and touchdowns. With two. I'm going to go Noah Fant. Feel it. Breakout game for Noah. Interesting. Uh, he's had it coming. He's had it coming. He's been there. He looks really good. Just give him a little bit more time, guys. Let him just bed in with Gino a little bit. Boom. Two touchdowns. Noah fan- fancy guys out there. Get him in your team. Please don't come at me. You've heard it. I've, I've already dropped him. He's already <laughs> dropped him. He's not he's not on the positive Pez bandwagon for no fan. Oh well. Bad time um, bad time I, to drop him, Josh. Did you not hear? Positive Pez is on the loose. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Pez. Pick, him, pick him back up, Josh. Um but no look. Thank you all, everyone, as always, for listening and tuning in with us. As always, we do really appreciate you listening with us. Um yeah, man, thanks to these two boys, as always. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks to all of our sponsors. 
And uh, and yeah, man, could we could we keep this thing rolling? Another NFC West victory coming up, two and all. Let's sweep these Cardinals, baby. Um, yeah, man, let's go Hawks, man. Go, go Hawks. Hawks.